Blog Talk Radio. Hey, welcome everybody to Girl Power Hour. I'm Annette Bingham and I've got Tasha Humphreys here with me. Hey, Tasha. Hi, Annette. She's not actually with me in the sense of being <laughs> in the same room, but she is with me in spirit and in voice. <laughs> always. <laughs> I'm always with you in spirit, Annette. <laughs> I know, you get in my head quite often, and I on my head, on my head. Hey, we've got a really cool show today, but before we get started, we did want to talk just briefly about uh, some things, and we're not going to rehash everything. Um, I think it's pretty obvious that the last week or so we've had quite a few tragedies, near tragedies, um, just things that have put a lot of people in upheaval. And um, I was thinking about that today. I wrote another blog post today. And and what had happened is after all these tragedies, I decided to look at the, um, the other side of it, really tend to look at the love part of it instead of the tragedy part of it. And... Um, ended up doing a four series of painting with alcohol ink, which is really cool. Uh, I don't usually get that inspired, but Tasha, I know you use emotional stuff all the time to get inspired to paint, but this one uh, really inspired me. And one of the things that I was thinking about, and Tasha, you're an empath. I'm an empath. Uh, We know so many people who just are affected by the negative vibes that that go on in the world. And um, I was thinking that we really needed to talk a little bit about how we can care for ourselves so that we can help others during these times. And um, because I know I get overwhelmed. And um, I know you do too, Tosh. You you definitely get overwhelmed with stuff. So I do. what are some of the things that we can do to take care of ourselves? Well, the most obvious one is stop watching the news and get off of social media so much. Um, delete people who are really super negative and spout hate and discord. And it's okay. <laughs> the delete button's there for a reason. And we mm-hmm. have the power to um, invite into our lives who we want and get rid of those right. that we don't. So I think that's one of the main things. And just turning our thoughts around and, and not believing that the world's going to hell in a handbasket, you know, that there are good people out there and, We've seen that in the outpouring of love and everything that has been going on with with the tragedies that have gone uh, you know happened the last week or so. What what are some of your suggestions, Tasha? Well, you know, I have to first say that you, you brought up a point that you know you were saying get turn off the news and and get off of social media so much. I I haven't personally been on social media uh, much in the last month for various reasons, but. One, you know, I've talked a bit about spirit guides, and my personal ones have definitely led me to get off there. <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. when I am on, I I try to put out, um, 
you know, either loving or thoughtful posts. And I think one key thing that you can do, I, I was led to, uh, directed to, again, by Spirit to check the national news today, um, not for any other reason than just to scroll uh, through all the negativity. And, I mean, and, and, of course, these are events that are occurring. Of course, these are events we do need to know about. However, the negative spin that the media takes to get our attention um, and the graphic imagery and all, it's, it's just, to be honest, it's spiritually, emotionally traumatic. So, um, and I remember looking back, you know, on like even the Hurricane Katrina when that event occurred uh, and that was a natural disaster, that all the media coverage of that, it, it was traumatizing for me personally. And so this situation is no different. The tragedies, you know, get covered in this way by media. I think it's important to, um, like you said, take yourself off that. Don't, don't, you know, inundate yourself with it. It's one thing to be informed. It's another thing to be inundated. And then on top of that, you know, uh, our good friend and often our guest and, and will be a regular guest starting in July, um, Elizabeth Harbin has said, you know, she's going to be posting when she's on, she'll be posting, you know, love and light posts on her Facebook page. And, and I honestly think that's a helpful thing to do. Um, post good things that are happening in your life and in the world. Look for good news. Look up news that's inspiring and empowering and share that with the world. Share those links with the world and focus yourself there because the truth of it is the only thing that can, and just like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, you know, the only thing that can douse out hate is love. The only thing that can douse out darkness is light. So we have to protect ourselves by, like you said, getting rid of the people that constantly inundate us with it or add to it. And then we also have a charge as empaths and as healers um, and as people who care about this planet and the people and the creatures that inhabit it, we have a duty and a responsibility to give love and light to this earth, to the people in it, in an effort to heal it. And I think a lot of people think in order to give love and light or, you know, that type of positive energy to something that you're negating the the uh, tragedy, that you're, you're, you're saying it wasn't important, that's not it at all. And it's no. also not condoning behaviors, and it is just saying, I know it happened, I know it was tragic, but the only way to change it is to change the thinking of people and sending out that positive energy that can possibly affect affect others. So that's, exactly. you know, we're only a little ripple in this whole pond of the universe, and um, a tiny little ripple, but little tiny ripples definitely can make a difference. So, yes, especially uh, when they're collective. And and the truth yeah. of it is that that, that specific tragedy, the, the one that we're, you know, the, the biggest one we're referencing, obviously was caused by fear and darkness. I mean, fear and darkness overruled someone. Mm-hmm. And in that situation and in any other, that the only thing that can heal that is love and light because it's the opposite of fear and darkness. And so, again, no, I'm a realist, and you know that, and as do all the listeners. Okay. I am. I do not have a Pollyanna perspective. I am a realist. However, at the same time, I'm also aware that the only thing that will heal 
this planet and the people on it is love and light. So we have to, those of us who can give it, we must give it. And that's our charge. That's our responsibility. When we read this news, then that's not a call for us to get involved in the negativity and the stress and the hate and the fear and the panic. It's a call for us to bring calm to the situation and to give love to the people involved and to the people affected and to each other and then try to spread light in other ways throughout the world. Absolutely. And that's what we're going to do with the show today. We're going to spread some Yay. fun stuff. <laughs> and what could be better? Hot cars and, you know, I mean, not hot in the sense that they're out in the heat, but, you know, cars are sexy. So there's a lot of them that are really, you know, you see them and you go, wow, that is that's an awesome car. I want that one. I would look good in that car. So um, <laughs> I'm going to let you introduce our guest, Tasha, because I'm really excited to hear what she has to say and all the adventures that she's she's on at this very present moment. Well, and you know, I have to say, uh, as introducing, uh, our guest today is someone I've known for a very long time and actually uh, have come to admire even – I have more admiration today than I've ever had. I've been researching quite a bit just in preparation for the show, and it's interesting when you research someone that you know um, because you think you know everything about them, and then you research them, and you're like, I did not even know this about her. Um, But on top of that, someone who spreads uh, love and light in many ways, and so I am honored to have Megan Bailey on the show with us today. Megan, how are you? I'm great. Thank you, guys. And Again, not to discount what you guys were discussing earlier, but it was it's kind of hard to come on after taking a moment of, of what we did just experience. But um, uh, I just wanted to take a moment and acknowledge it was very nice of you guys to, to share your thoughts of happiness and positivity because I think my message is always enjoy the journey. And uh, rehashing negativity and spreading negativity does not allow anyone, yourselves, others, people that are grieving um, to find ways to enjoy what their journey is. So I just wanted to add my Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's interesting that you said that because I had actually written a little note of enjoy the journey because I know that is, that is your quote and uh, that is something that you always say. And I appreciate you for saying that, especially in this situation, because you're absolutely right. Um, And so, you know, again, it is an honor to have you on. I, I have always admired, um, you know, your, well, I mean, I, personally, from what I've seen of you, you are someone who is just not afraid to try or do anything. I've always admired that about you, but also because whether you know it or not, and although, I mean, for you it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but we know, like, what kind of world we live in and, and the patriarchal sense of things, and so gender issues do kind of exist, and in that way uh, you're a pioneer for many women, and it's something that I admire about you, um, I would like to know before I get into the other stuff that I've researched that I'm just wowed over, you have so much experience in, you know, dealing with cars. And a lot of people would assume, I, I know this is why I've seen so many articles about it. A lot of people would assume that the, you know, your stuff with the car chasers, which all the listeners out there, if you don't know, can look up Megan Bailey. She was on the car chasers on CNBC, but a lot of people would think, oh, it's because you're with Jeff. But the truth of it is, you've had an interest in cars for a very long time. And so I would love to know what inspired that. Yeah, it's really interesting. And, uh, you know, Jeff, my other half, we, we chat about it often. But 
both of us, our grandparents were in the automotive industry in one form or another. So my grandpa actually would buy cars and restore them and sell them while he was working on the railroad. So it goes really, really far back. Um, When I was a kid, um, my dad and I, we would spend our weekends together driving around looking at cool cars, picking out what my favorite car would be. Um, I spent many days at the track watching him race. Um, Really every aspect of my life kept continually revolving back to cars. Um, to where I was picking what my favorite thing was, what my first car would be. Um, so it goes way back. And I love that. And and so, like, this is something that has become – I mean, for you, it's a passion, right? It's a, Cars are a passion for you. Oh, for sure. I mean, I was a national magazine editor and photographer for numerous automotive magazines for many, many years. I've um, been shocked that a woman – is passionate about cars. You think of a guy and he's out wrenching on a car and he's the one who's passionate, but no, I've been around them forever. I definitely have my opinions on cars. I like and don't like cars. I find beautiful cars. I want to own cars. I don't want to own um, equally to any male counterpart out there. Yes, I agree. I've seen this. I've seen this in action. So it's true. And it's a beautiful thing. And, I, you know, honestly, like I thought I had an interest in cars because, you know, I know a couple of things about them and I can like see something and go, oh, yeah, that's not that sexy. But then I meet you and I'm like, oh, yeah, I have no idea. I don't even know. I can't even say that I know anything about cars now because I'm hanging out with Megan. But, um, you know, I that's one thing you mentioned is that you, you were an editor and a photographer and see, these are things that people don't know about you. And mm-hmm. I included, I knew that, I know that you're a writer. I know this. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you have, you have a blog for your site, right? The Octane Writer. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, yes. um, it's a so weird, it's kind of morphed It all. It all has started in different areas, but I'll let you ask what's your question or where you want me to start. <laughs> well, no, I just actually wanted to know, you know, I, I want other other people to understand that there's so much more to you than cars. Um, one, it's huge that you, you have such a passion and interest there. Um, it's to me, it's a big deal just because like I said, it is something that, you know, it shouldn't shake people's uh, perspectives, but it does. And so, you know, it's something that I think is important for people to know, but on top of that, there's so much more to you, uh, more that people don't know because it's behind the scenes kind of stuff. So the editing and photography, tell, tell me about that. Yeah, I think it starts, I have to step one one step back because you would have to understand like a moment of my personality. So my personality is I'm an only child. So for me, whatever I wanted to accomplish or whatever I wanted to do was on me. I didn't have the older brother, younger sister. Um, so whatever it was that I desired, I had to figure it out and, and, and conquer it. So at a really early age, uh, everything was possible. In my mind, it didn't matter what it was. So things like, oh, I want to be a lifeguard. Well, you're not on a swim team and you've only taken swim lessons when you were a kid, but I decided I was going to do it. So I became a lifeguard. And I think first to step back in those moments, whenever I think of something like, Oh, this intrigues me, I figure it out. So photography was a passion of mine and I was able to figure out a way to incorporate photography Um, into the automotive world because at that point in time um, there weren't a lot of women photographers so it's kind of a novelty at the same time um, I was able to step up and I photoed at a NASCAR event and some of my photos were used which helped spiral being able to photo at other events so I guess I guess what I want to say is I've never looked at any challenge whether it's photography or writing or 
becoming a lifeguard as impossible. So I think first understanding that kind of explains a little more. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that too says a lot for you, and then I hope it says a lot for our listeners, you know, the idea that you empowered yourself, first of all, which I'm an only child too, so we relate there very very much so. And and <laughs> you not only empowered yourself to not fear anything regardless of what it was, but it was also, you know, because I never did this either, and I think that's why when we talk about this, it kind of blows my mind that I even have to say it, because gender never came into my mind either. You know, like there was mm-hmm. never a, oh, you can't do that because you're a girl. And that's the same thing with you. Like you've never even considered that. You just did what you wanted to do regardless of what it was. It's interesting because I do, I've been asked that question numerous times and I honestly say like over and over that it never to this day crosses my mind. I never say to myself that there is a difference or I can't do it because, or it's harder or it's weird. I just, and I don't believe, I mean, maybe if it's programmed in your head, I think it comes from somewhere, whether it comes from um, your past or or maybe media or where I don't know where it comes from but honestly like I never considered it an issue I just never have and th- therefore it never has been yeah exactly well, I mean, you didn't create an issue yeah, so me, you didn't have an issue let me jump in here real quick because I, I can attest to the fact that it is drilled into little girls heads at a very early age and one of the things I remember growing up, because I'm much older than either one of you, um, was my parents saying, oh, you can't do that because you're a girl. They literally said that to me. So it took me, and I was very stubborn, and it took me a long time to decide, okay, if I want to go play in the mud or I want to, pick up frogs or I want to do this or that, I can do that. It doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if I'm a girl or a boy, you know. So there are a lot of kids and still today a lot of kids with that being drilled into them. And it it can go both ways because little boys are told, well, you can't play with dolls. Well, yeah, you can because that's going to help you learn to be nurturing and caring and loving and you know, all the good stuff. And uh, so it is, you know, it is an issue even still today. So you're very, very blessed to not have had that, you know, come into your mind at an early age. I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. And I will jump in and say as well, uh, Megan, not only are you blessed to have not had that, but I think on top of that, it's just another reason why it's important to have you on and uh, a call to all the listeners to make sure that if you are someone who was told that, then discount that message from your mind. Uh, Try to find a way to delete it because it is not truth. Mm -hmm. And if you are a parent, by all means, do not give your kids messages, you know, like this based on gender, whether or not their capabilities are not limited by their gender. My goodness, their their capabilities are limitless. So uh, that's a call to all of our listeners to certainly my, hear that and little, take that. Yeah. My little grandson will walk around. He has a baby doll, and he will walk around, and there's a scarf that he likes to play with. And my daughter will wrap the baby like he's he's wrapped the baby in a, a carrier, like he's carrying the baby. And he will walk around for a long time with that baby strapped to him, and he's very sweet, and he puts diapers on it, and, you know, 
and it took his dad some time to get used to that. But um, now he's okay with it. So we need to start doing things like that with our kids. Yeah, I agree, because then they can turn out like Megan Bailey. And, uh, you know, yeah. Megan, I have to say, <laughs> you, uh, I, I, I looked you up, and I want to get back to your editing and photography because I, I don't know a lot about that, but I looked you up on imdb.com, and I didn't know. Here's the stuff I didn't know. I did not know. I knew that you were an actress. I knew that you had been, you know, you were a producer, and I know that you've been doing some directing, but I didn't know about – this, I guess it's a, a series. It triggers weapons uh-huh. that yeah. I didn't know about. I, I didn't know about this. Can, can, so, Amy, <laughs> I need you to tell me everything that you've been involved in in terms of uh, TV, and the, because I hear you know, I know there's triggers weapons that change the world is the one I did not know about. I knew about car warriors. I knew about obviously the car chasers. I didn't know about my ride rules. There's a lot about you I didn't know. So, tell me. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, it's it's funny, you know, when you hear it all, I kind of go, oh wow, I should be, I'm proud of myself. <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, I was, I was. It's funny because if you look at the shows that I've produced, um, they are m- male related, male skewed, if you think about it. But in my mind, I'm like, why not? Why can't a girl produce a car, a show about weapons yeah. and cars? But. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it was interesting. I I started um, because I was a photographer and editor for automotive magazines. Um, When the car shows started happening, um, they needed people who actually had knowledge in the automotive industry. So I kind of, you know, got in the door in producing that way. Um, Once I got in the door producing, then it became the, the knowledge that, I'm the type of person that gets things done. And Tasha, you can probably relate. Um, I figure out a way (laughs) and I make it happen. And um, that's, I think what carried me over. Well, I, you know, obviously was raised in a world where um, my dad had weapons. So I knew a lot about weaponry and uh, yeah. So I produced a show. What I did was um, I set up all the shoots. I contracted the weapons and the locations. Um, I got to go up in a Huey helicopter. Um, We would use incendiary rounds. I mean, all kinds of things that probably the listeners right now are saying, what is she talking about? Um, But, yeah, I produced a a military show about weapons. Which is super cool. And, you know, you have – okay, you said something that's interesting because you were talking about how your your dad had these – weapons and so you were familiar with them and then you know initially also a lot of that came from your grandfather that was in the car industry and then watching so it's like all of these um it it seems like to me another little charge to our listeners is you know because a lot of people assume well a woman looks to her mother to get all the things she's going to be and a boy looks to his father to you know not necessarily i mean if you look to both and you get whatever becomes a passion for you and i love that about you that you're you've looked to the men in your life and you've gotten these, you know, passions on top of whatever anyone else gave you as well. But this is something that you were able to do. It makes you such a well-rounded individual. And if you have not yet looked yourself up, yes, by all means you need to, and you would be very proud of yourself because I'm very proud of you. I look at all this and it's amazing. Um, oh, thank you. This, this particular, you know, you said, People are probably listening and don't understand what you're talking about. One of those people is me because some of the lingo that you're using, I'm like, huh? I don't have no idea. But a lot of this comes to you because you are from California originally, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you have a little bit of experience, um, I guess, I'm assuming. Um, where exactly are you from in California? Uh, Southern California, so L.A. area primarily. Yeah. So there's, So I'm sure there was a lot of different uh, – 
I, I'm assuming that you had some um, oper- more opportunities to be involved in production and, and, and things like this that we yeah. probably wouldn't have in Lubbock, Texas, for instance. You know, like, I think to go back on that, I think, like, I I feel like I've um, expressed, like, the taking on challenges and doing whatever. But I will say, um, like, if someone was listening and they said, you know, I want to be a photographer, I want to be an editor, I want to do a podcast, I want to be on TV, or whatever that that sentence is, um, I was thinking about it um actually before I got on the phone because I was thinking like you know most people want to ask like how how do you how did it happen people write a million books how 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 and and um, I've even read some of them myself but I think the hardest thing to understand and take to heart is perseverance and no expectations um, people give up easy and they think that there's a time to give up or that there's a, and there isn't and then a lot of people have expectations. They are do something. If they do this, this will happen. Um, so if someone is listening and they decided whatever it is, I truly believe um, not putting a time limit on whatever it is and, and continually working towards it. Um, but, yes, being in L.A., that was one thing that helped get into producing because obviously you're around it a lot. But there's not one thing you can do to make each step happen other than not giving up. And I know that a lot of people say don't give up, don't give up. Um, but if people took that to heart and tried it, so if they said I'm, I'm going to stop today because of X, Y, Z, and then they actually changed their mind and said, okay, I'm not, I think then people would see the results. Um, but most people don't continue. They stop for some reason, whether it's financial, whether it's a lifestyle, whether um, – they get overwhelmed with somebody critiquing them, whatever it is. I guess if I was to give that message of don't don't timestamp and and um, don't have expectations. But there's my chance. Yeah. Well, I love that, and I and I, I think it's important because right. I mean, a lot of people. Everybody has a passion and a dream. Everybody does. Some people, I think, get to a point where they don't remember what it was because they've like buried their inner child or something. But I think at the same time. We all know that somewhere in our lives we have a dream and a passion, and you really do continue to pursue. I, Annette and I both are living proof of just continue to push no matter how much resistance you come upon because it's, you know, unless, unless it's a situation where the universe is telling you, okay, this isn't the path you're supposed to be on. Um, but if it's something that you really dream and you have a, a strong passion for, then you just keep pushing and you know that that resistance is there to grow you in a specific area and not to deter you. And that's certainly seemingly what you have done is let any resistance you have had or come upon grow you and, and if nothing else, open your mind to other avenues to do it. And for instance, um, I know the car chasers no longer being on, uh, you use that as an opportunity to create a skid mark show. Yeah, so after we did our um, 40 episodes, um, of the car chasers um, and having not having complete control, although it is a reality show um, as you as you know there 's so many layers of decisions and directions and things that are being made, so having had so many hours of our life controlled by like we 're filming for ten hours and then we 're doing this, we wanted to do something kind of a passion project, so um, Jeff and Ethan, uh, they do Skid Mark's show, and I produce it, uh, which is where, where I am. I'm not really an in-front-of-the-camera diehard person. I'm actually – my love is producing. Um, so we do Skid Mark's show, and it's very lighthearted. It's about our life, where we go, and what we do um, without any constraints, which has been a breath of fresh air. Yeah, creative freedom. That's nice. 
Exactly. <laughs> Which right now, I mean, because it, the listeners out there don't yet know this, we've you're calling us from the road right now, right? You're traveling. Yeah, yes. Um, actually, we just got back in town. We were at the Bantam Jeep Festival um, in Pennsylvania, beautiful countryside, if you've never been to Pennsylvania. Um, and then we had a meeting in Houston, so uh, we left Dallas for Houston. Now we're heading back to Dallas. And then tonight we're heading to Ohio to go to the uh, annual Ferrari meet uh, in Columbus, Ohio. So, yeah, I am in the midst of traveling. Wow. And it feels like, you know, since I've known you, I think that you do a lot of traveling. It feels like every time I've talked to you, you've been going somewhere or returning from somewhere. <laughs> I know some of that had to do with uh, the car chasers, but also just because you guys are always involved in these, these meets and different uh, events like this, right? Yeah, I mean, we love to get out into the car atmosphere. I don't know how else to word it, but it's so many people watch the show, and so when we're able to go, then they see us. They see that we're real. Uh, We really do um, buy and sell cars. We really love cars, and it's neat to have this opportunity. Honestly, I'm a planner and a predictor, and and I try to predict what's going to happen. Um, But right now, like, my enjoy the journey thing has to take full force. Like, right now, we're just following the wave. Um, and enjoying what comes up. So when an opportunity and someone invites us to come to an event, um, we're going to take every opportunity, even if that means we're, you know, traveling for a month straight, because, you know, how could you turn it down? How can you turn down experiencing the countryside and going to these locations you normally would never go? It's it's really surreal. So I just, I really try to be, to stay grounded and say, you know, look, look where I'm at, look what I'm doing, look what's happening in my life. Um, but it, yeah. it's been amazing. There's always That's time to awesome. sleep, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of time for that. You know, and you keep coming back to enjoy the journey. So I, I just for our listeners, I want, because I, I think that's a great little motto you have. So tell me first, like, when did you pick that up? When did you start using that? What, why did that become something that you were saying all the time? Because you do say it all the time, and it's, a, it's such a positive, you know, reminder. Yeah, it's interesting because it's actually a Disney quote, which is funny enough because I am a Disney fan, but I did not originally know that. Um, I saw it written somewhere, and I love what it said because it was personal. Um, It was something to remind myself, you know, to take a breath of fresh air, to enjoy the moment, um, and to really – it really just resonates with me that this is a journey, and – you enjoy it, whatever that means to each person. It's completely different. I think that's what I like about the saying, whatever it means to you is what it means to you. To myself, it means, you know, slowing time and realizing the moment and appreciating the moment you have. Yeah. It's very mindful. Yes. Like just living in that moment and realizing stopping yourself, no matter where the stress is or what's going on or what could be going on and any of that and just sitting there for a moment. And and like you said, saying, Hey, look where I am. Look what I'm doing. You know, this is my life, but you know, how awesome is that? So yeah, I love that. Um, I also wanted to ask a minute about the, the, the photography and the editing, the stuff that you did for the automotive magazine, um, when you got into photography, I know, because, again, you said you were pioneering as a woman even, even in that, which is interesting. But you also started in NASCAR, of course. That would be a pioneering situation as well. But for photography and editing for the uh, automotive magazine, um, tell me, I, I know you 
kind of said how you got started with that, but tell me again how that got started and, and how long did you do it? Because I, I, I really am interested in that because as a writer myself, um, I just, I don't know, I love that you got involved in that and I know that you've written uh, quite a bit and I just really want to know more about that. Yeah, I mean, it's, a lot of that was, I guess, to attribute to like opportunity. Um, I would be at the places that I needed to be. So I would, I was photoing at the NASCAR event and then um, they were going to be doing a testing. So I'm, I'm kind of trying to surmise it and give an idea, but um, they were doing a testing between an old vehicle and a new vehicle. Well, because I was naturally into cars, I went and because I was a photographer, I just decided to photo. Well, the hired photographer did not show. So then I was hired. Then obviously I was there like, Hey, you have a camera set up. You're here to shoot. So it was, it was kind of, you could say opportunity, but at the same time it was my passion because I was there photoing. I wasn't sitting at home. Um, and then once, once you do the first thing, it kind of just keeps on flowing. People can count on you. They know what to expect from you. And then I, would just get job after job. Um, there was really like uh, any other thing than just being at the right place at the right time, honestly. Which, you know, and that's earlier you had talked about um, your experience you know, and how you wanted people to see, you know, that if you, if you want something, you just don't put a timestamp on it. You, you keep going with it. There is no time to quit. You just keep pushing forward. And that was the other thing I was going to ask is, do you think it's about being in the right, in the right place at the right time? Because it seems like some of those instances have happened for you. But I also, you know, as you talk, I think, well, I mean, sure, that's a piece of it. But the biggest piece I see is that, you know, you were responsible and accountable and professional. And you took something that you loved, you know, a passion that you had. And you have many passions. I know you. There are many. Um, <laughs> but you took a passion that you had and – you know, it's like, okay, let's, for instance, let's say, you know, you're someone that has this passion and, and you think, well, I mean, I don't want to sell cars or I don't want to, re I don't personally want to renovate, you know, I don't personally want to like take a car and totally redo it. I don't, that's not my thing. Okay. Well, somebody, you know, who wants to do something with cars, but maybe that's the only thing they're thinking of or thinking inside the box. And so they're just not really going to do anything with it because they can't think outside the box and think, okay, well, I could photograph cards cars, you know, I could write for an automotive magazine, I could do all sorts of things, there's all sorts of things that you can do if you think outside the box, and so to me, it seems like really what you've done is where other people might have stopped, because they weren't able to do or they weren't interested in doing those few specific things that might be offered, let's say, locally where I am in Lubbock, Texas, um, they didn't think outside the box and start to do things that might be applicable, especially if you were a freelance writer, to do anywhere in the world from the remote location of Lubbock, Texas, or any other place that someone might be listening from. It yeah. sounds to me like I mean, definitely, able to think I outside agree. the box. Like, the thinking outside the box is true, and I think I think I do do that a lot. And maybe maybe I don't use that sentence because to me – I don't think of it that way because I'm always thinking how, when, where, what would work. So, so, but I would agree um, that yes, thinking outside the box. Um, I think some of it's monetary. Some, a lot of people get hindered money wise. So for example, when I was doing the photo shoot, I was not getting paid. I was there doing it out of passion. Um, and a lot of times the things that you do out of passion end up getting you the paid jobs. Um, but I think that comes from, you know, the money drive or the money side of things when, is this a passion or is this 
supposed to support you financially. Once they start getting convoluted, it, it, I think it gets really convoluted. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'd look at each thing as this is what I want to accomplish, this is what I want to do, um, and then I work towards that goal. So, obviously, I was, do, I was uh, photoing first, um, and then I said, um, can I write an article? And of course they said, okay. And I didn't ask for money. My first article, I said, let me, let me write an article for you and see what you think. Um, because that was my passion. I wanted to photo and write the story. That was my goal. You know, so each time there's another goal and maybe that's it too. I set little goals like, okay, so my photos are in this magazine. Well, the next time I want it to say Megan Bailey, photographer and editor. So then I find a way, but I didn't ask for money that first story. And then the next thing you know, I'm asked, hey, could you cover this event? And so on and so forth. That's awesome. Did, you, did somebody teach you how to do that, or did that just come with you? Did you just know? Um, <laughs> I am pretty much self-taught everything, and that's yeah. very true. I I love to figure things out, and I love the challenges of it. Um, was I always a great writer? Yes. Was I a writer previous to being an editor? No. Um, it, very interesting. Was I a photographer before I started photoing cars? You know, maybe if I took a picture of my friend. Was I a photographer because I decided to be one? Did I research every camera? Did I read every book I could find? Yes. So pretty much everything I decide, I self-teach. <laughs> yeah, you do your homework. Exactly. Yeah, you do your homework. Yeah, and I love that, obviously. Um, now, I, I want to get to uh, the car chasers because I know a lot of our listeners that are listening, that's where they know you from. Um, and, and for those listeners out there that don't know, obviously, Flat 12 Gallery blog, you can go to uh, to, to find some of, of uh, Megan's writing. She has Octane Writer blog on, on the flat12gallery.com, but, but you can go to flat12gallery.com and get all kinds of news and updates um, on Megan and Jeff. But I... I wanted to uh, get back to the car. What started that? What, how did Car Chasers kick off? How did that even become um, something, a show for for you guys to be involved in? And how did it how did it come to pass that it would be filmed here in Lubbock? Um, actually, I wrote back in uh, probably two, uh, probably twelve years ago. I wrote the script for um, this. It was right when car shows were first starting. I think there was Chip Foose's show and there was possibly uh, the OCC chopper show. And so I wrote it because, you know, Jeff was always around cars and we pitched it. Um, he did a small bit on an MTV show and then we pitched it to MTV and MTV actually um, took the idea and they made the show. So actually our show was made um, a long time ago and they actually cast a character that looked exactly like Jeff. It was really, it was our first uh, eye-opening, you know, awareness that people actually do things like this. You know, why would you do this? <laughs> um, so that, it was, it's kind of ironic. So that's why I say don't give up. But, you know, we had um, probably a couple years of our life because of that, that we were very upset about it. And, and it, it, it bothered us greatly that someone could do such a thing and, and in time, we realized that, you know, we don't have a network. We don't have a way to make a television show. And an, an idea is an idea unless you can make it come to fruition. So once right. we adopted that train of thought, realizing that I'm not going to go make a show and put it on TV, we said, oh, well, you know, to them, their karma, moving on. 
Um, and then we were um, brought in to do Car Warriors, which was a car build show. And Justin, again, he pitched that show. And again, someone else tried to do the show, and it didn't happen. And then the third time the show got pitched is when it happened. So uh, ironically, at that time, we were in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, Tasha wrote a lovely article when we opened up our first Flat 12 Gallery location about us being there. We were, we were kind of the oddballs of Lubbock, um, trying to infuse some art and you know, hot rodding and pinstriping and parties all into one, but it was a good time. And then the show um, got picked up. Um, and it, it, I can't tell you why it got picked up then. Um, all I can tell you is, you know, it was about a 12 year road for that to happen. Wow. And three is a magic number evidently because, uh, it's amazing to me. Well, I guess, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I guess, you know, I guess it really isn't amazing when you know what you know about, about, uh, because, you know, I, I have learned the hard way in that, in that similar situation too about, you know, pitching an idea to people who can make that idea happen a lot faster than they can, you know, than you can, and they don't have to hire you to do it. Um, so uh-huh. it, 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 it is their karma indeed that they, that they did that, but, but kudos to you for, for continuing to push because that's another, an, another lesson for the listeners that, you know, you pushed through 12 years for that to come to fruition and, and it finally did. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it started, you know, and started here in Lubbock, I think, you know, and this is something just between Megan and I <laughs> that, that I have to share because um, living here in, in, in Lubbock, and of course, I mean, Annette and I both, we love the city, so this isn't a slam on the city at all. It was just an interesting dynamic uh, because I did cover Flat 12 Gallery in the paper. Uh, this is, you know, back when I was writing for the local Avalanche Journal. And and then whenever car chasers became a reality, and this is a nationally televised show, uh, and you know you would think because Lubbock is a, is a smaller city, and you would think that it would just be like celebrated big time, and everybody would be like, "Whoa, we have these local celebrities." But it was interesting because every time I tried to give coverage to that, it 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 really fell flat. So that was an interesting uh, experience, and and I I'm not sure why, but it was always that way. So it was something that I found. Uh, very interesting. And I know Megan and I discussed it a lot um, because really, if I talked to people in the community, they were so excited about it and so excited about, about having you guys here. And yet I would also find people in the community that didn't even know it existed. (laughs) And and here we are, you know, living in this city and it's a very small, you know, it's a small city and, and, and there are these local celebrities who have a nationally televised show that actually highlights the city itself and shows pictures of the city. And there were people living in the city that didn't even know it existed. So uh, I just wanted to ask you a little bit what that was like. You know, you you lived here and you had that experience. What was that like for you to have that uh, quote unquote celebrity status? Well, having a celebrity status, I mean, that's always fun. But I think in talking to your point, it it was really weird um, how under appreciated or underexposed it was. And again, I think this plays into my thing is you should not expect anything from anyone. And I think that is a prime example. Um, I should never have expected the news to say, hey, guess what? Look what we have here. Um, but finally, by the third season, when we did like Carmageddon event, they they would lightly touch. But what I really, if I, I try to analyze, okay, why was that? And the closest I can come to the reason why is that our show was on CNBC. So that would be an NBC Universal 
um, network, and most news stations are like CBS and ABC. But then if I use that analogy, then I say, well, then why wasn't the NBC affiliate covering it? And then it gets all confusing. So I'm not really sure why. And I don't know that there's an actual answer to it. And if you figure it out, please let me know. <laughs> I just remember, you know, we tried every avenue. So it was an interesting experience, I think, for, for all of us involved in that particular aspect of it. Uh, because to me, it was like, you know, you had, you had this, you have, you currently have a celebrity status here. And yet, still, there are people who don't know. It's <laughs> so just random. Um, but I... I guess it's that's that is that is another question and and I ended with it but I do want to come back to it. What is it like for you guys because I remember you went to Columbia and you had an experience there. People were welcoming you as if Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie got off the plane. So, how does that feel for you to have that celebrity status? It's it's weird because I am I am the most humble mellow person about all this. And it will still shock me anytime anyone makes a big deal. I I actually have to be very careful because I become introverted and shy because I am kind of embarrassed. Like, it makes me feel like, oh, don't give me that attention. No, no, no. I'm nobody. I'm just like you. I'm nothing different. But what I've realized is it comes off to people almost like stuck up. I, I'm not sure how to word it, but... So I have to try to act like when someone is like, oh, my gosh, it's so great to meet you. I have to... I have to try to be what they expect. I have to try to be that celebrity. Um, but it is, it is, and to this day, the oddest experience because every moment I have to fight not being shy and, and yeah. saying it, it is a very, like, you would think by now, okay, we're three years into this. By now, for sure. I, I find myself, even where the last event, I had to find myself, Megan, remember these people, they think you're different, and so you have to not – resort inside yourself and be shy you have to um be that person they expect back and so i still work on that yeah that would be a struggle i i'm an introvert myself as you well know far more introverted than you are so uh you can just totally understand how that might feel for me um i think i always reference uh my love Prince who recently passed, I always reference him in the sense that I would have like that stage where literally rather than going off stage right or stage left, I would just have an elevator that took me to the bottom. Like I just want to get off the stage and not have to talk to anybody. So that would be a difficult uh, experience for me as well. And I kudos to you for working with that and trying to give the people what they want. Well, imagine if you, Um, but see to the audience, if you were Prince real fast and you turned and you hurried to the elevator to the audience, they would view (laughs) you as, unfriendly right they would think like oh my gosh she's so rude so it's funny but people who are introverts or hold it hold or shy about things like that it radiates to the other people completely different yeah yeah it truly does uh i i have to find a balance in where i can just be known as one of those quirky mysterious artists (laughs) i can do that so that i can run to the elevator and everybody will just be like oh no that's just the way she is she's just quirky and weird (laughs) No one will think it's rude. Um, you you got to figure it out. <laughs> I see. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to figure it. If that's not it. I'm going to have to find another way. Um, so we we only have like uh, 12 minutes here, but I just wanted to because uh, this hour always flies too fast for me. But I wanted to uh, close up with one thing before we really close the show. I wanted to uh, talk to you a little bit about you know you're producing this new show, and like you said, you're you're behind the scenes on this, and this is really what you're passionate about. Um, 
what goes into that, first of all? What goes into producing a show? And then secondly, uh, how did this show come about? I mean, are you the one that created this idea? Yes. Um, when Jeff decided um, that he wanted to do a passion project where it was, you know, the content that, or what he wanted to say, the message that he wanted to do, um, we immediately were talking about, well, who's going to be your co-host? And we knew we didn't want somebody like Jeff. Um, we had found a lot of times people had the same exact thoughts and ideas and agendas, and it didn't make for an interesting show. So we wanted to have the yin and the yang, um, and that's where Ethan came in. Ethan is not a car guy whatsoever. He is a rock and roller. Um, Jeff's personality of, you know, we've been together 20 years versus Ethan's idea of relationship, like yin and yang. Um, which automatically gave great dialogue. And we had run into the issue before. Uh, a lot of times people wanted to know everything, and we needed someone who didn't know everything so that Jeff could get his information. And then we needed Jeff to not know everything about rock and roll so Ethan could get out his information. So, yes, figuring out who was going to co-host next to Jeff was uh, a long talked-about process, <laughs> a big decision on, on who it was going to be. Um, as far as producing the shows, um, we tried to keep them always changing. Uh, we, uh, we even changed the format a lot. So season one um, had quicker bits of interviews where uh, you got a little bit from the guests. Um, season two, we switched it up where you actually got more in-depth and you actually feel like you're reading a biography. You actually might learn something um, more. Um, and then sometimes we take it on the road so people get a vicarious experience, like that they're at the event, that they're experiencing the event. Um, so there's a lot of thought. I try to always um, change them up. I count, okay, we're doing this many on the road. Okay, we're going to be at this event. Okay, we're going to this uh we're going to have this rock star and then, okay, who else could we get or who's in the news? So there is a lot of planning, um, a lot of utilizing our, where we're going. So for example, we'll be at the Ferrari event. Um, so we'll be recording live um, and we'll have an episode uh, revolving around the Ferrari meet. So yeah, that's uh, the show in a nutshell. <laughs> and that's awesome. Because I happen to be a rocker myself, so I love that you've, like, tied that in. And I also know Ethan, obviously, personally, and he's hysterical. So uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's obviously funny just to have him on. Uh, him and Jeff play off each other very well. I've seen that in person. So I'm sure it's just a lot of laughs to produce it. It is. It's a lot of fun. And uh, some of these rock star interviews, which is, I think, I actually have found that to be my favorite part of the show, is because we're asking them not what's your next record, what was your inspiration behind the lyrics. We're not asking them the questions that they're asked by everybody else because all they want to do is talk about their music. So we end up hearing like their life sacrifices and how they made it big and uh, what they would change and building their favorite car and their, it's weird. It's because it's so different. We get this weird content that you normally don't hear from a rock star. That's super cool. And what, I mean, can you just give me a, a list of some of the people that you've had on? I mean, I know like uh, you've had some like drowning pool, but you, who, who are some of the people that listeners would know that you've had on the show? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, so we've had <laughs> spiders. <laughs> from, like, uh, it's like my brain goes, but like spider from power man 5,000. We've had hurt on hinder on, um, we've had, um, Brett Michaels on, we've had, um, 
uh, you're going to make me my brain go. I mean, basically we've done, I think we've done 21 episodes. So we've at least done uh, 21 rock stars of all levels. Oh, that's awesome. And so, and people can go to, it's skidmarkshow.com, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, people can people can go and listen to like archives podcasts. They can go and listen. To yes, that. yep. They're on iTunes, Podbean, SoundCloud. Basically, uh, if your fans are already in the podcast realm and the online radio realm, so it shouldn't be too hard to find. And um, it's definitely a journey. And uh, if you're at all into rock and roll or cars for that matter, um, I think you'll you'll get some takeaway. Or if you just want some entertainment, because these guys together are quite entertaining. I guess I discount that. You're right. They are pretty funny guys. <laughs> <laughs> they could be you talking. You just roll your eyes a lot. <laughs> they could be talking about making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and you'd be laughing with them. So yeah, I guess that makes Very my job easy. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I know Annette may have a question or two for you before we wrap up. Yes, um, you were talking about the Ferrari show that you're going to. What all you were before we started the show? You were telling a little bit of what they're going to have. What can we expect to see and hear about on the Skidmark show? What all are they doing there? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's amazing. They do this once a year. Um, this year, the annual Ferrari meet will be in Columbus, Ohio, um, and they have it categorized over a few days. But basically, they do a concourse similar to what you see at Pebble Beach. So. On a golf course, they'll have all these Ferraris parked, and they're honoring the 275 Ferrari. So there's going to be a lot of million, multi-million dollar Ferraris on display. But they don't just do the car show. They also do a road rally. So they'll rally. It's kind of a point of interest drive. Um, And then they'll actually take these cars, the actual million dollar cars, and drive them on the racetrack. So um, it's not just for looks. They actually drive them. And then what I'm most excited about is they have – a little market area where they sell all kinds of, uh, you know, things like purses and artists' paintings and jewelry, and uh, you'll find me there too. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's but, um, more yeah. than just the car show. It, it is everything rolled into one with million-dollar cars. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty amazing to think that, you know, they they take them out on the track. I think that's always the part where, you know, even for me, like, uh, my heart skips a beat. I'm like, really? (laughs) I don't know that I'd be driving that on the racetrack because, you know, if you don't know, I'll tell you, if something happens on the racetrack, it doesn't matter what type of insurance you have, it is not covered. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I would be holding my breath. I would not. I would just. (laughs) I might be standing in front of the cars going, no, don't do it. <laughs> too much to lose, too much to lose. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, uh, you were talking about producing, and I know we've only got about five minutes, and this is kind of quick. As a job, as, you hear the term producer. So what exactly do you do as a producer? I mean, what are some of the jobs that you have to do? Um, Basically, as a television producer, because the term producer in film versus TV um, has a little bit different meaning, but uh, in television, basically you are producing um, the episode or you are producing the show. 
Um, so they'll have people who are a segment producer. They, they tier it out. So there's different levels. But basically as a producer, you plan what the audience is going to see. Um, you make sure that the materials needed are there. You make sure um, your talent is booked. I mean, basically you are putting together everything that you see. Now you have production managers who actually handle, um, you know, getting the cameras and the camera equipment, and then you have your um, you have your camera guys and the audio guy. But as the producer, you are the one telling the camera guy, you know, make sure to shoot this over here. Um, you're the one asking the questions. Um, to the cast, you're asking them, um, you know, when you see the little interview bites on TV, you're asking them those questions to fill in the story. You're actually building the story live um, as much as you can pre-plan, as much as you ahead of time say, this is what the episode's going to be about. Similarly, probably to your show we're doing right now, you had an idea of what the show is about, but you probably mm-hmm. didn't know exactly what direction it's going to take. So to be a producer, you have to be very in the moment, you have to be able to change and you have to be able to create a story from an ever-changing story, um, which I love. I love figuring out what the story is. Um, And I think that's why I was good at it, having the writing background. I was able to pick out like the interesting nuggets and then build on those. Um, So for example, if you were filming, I'll just use a car show as example, and you had an interior guy who had never stitched car interior. Maybe his background was in furniture. Well, you already know that's an interesting story because you're going to want to hear, you've never sewn car interior before, and you're going to want to follow, does he succeed or does he fail? So as a producer, right. you're picking out what's interesting in a, in, you know, in a story. So your background really has helped you uh, background as a writer and a photographer because you know what shots need to be taken and, and you know what questions need to be asked and you know how that story is supposed to flow. And I think that's fabulous how that's all just really synchronicity, I guess you could call it, has gone mm-hmm. from, you know, just learning about the cars to begin with with your grandpa and then having a passion for photography and then just getting into both of it, you know, putting it both together and then just goes on and on and on. Um, I think that's really fantastic the way that has all come together for you. Thank you. Megan, we are so pleased that you've been on the show and um, we wish you best of luck with the shows and all your new endeavors and your travels. Be safe. And I want to thank everybody who's listening and who will listen in the archives also. Tasha, thank you so much. For Yeah, thank you for co-hosting. And thank you again, Megan, for doing this. It's such an honor to have you on. Thank love, you. It was a pleasure. I love talking to you. It's been too long since I've talked to you, so it's good to hear these updates and, and keep doing what you're doing and keep enjoying the journey. Thank you so much. Thank you, ladies. And we will be back next week with Girl Power Hour, Wednesday, 3 p.m., Get on Facebook at Girl Power Hour and take a look and see what we're up to. So we will talk with you next week. Bye.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.